Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. This past week I was back in Chicago for about 24 hours for our denomination's national conference. That happens about every two years. I got to experience once again the sights and the sounds and the smells and the traffic and the weather of Chicago. In case for those of you who are from Chicago start to miss it, just to give you a little update, this past week it was in the 50s and raining. Ready to go back to that? There's a lot that we did enjoy about Chicago and there are some things that we do miss. One of the things that I did while I lived in Chicago is that occasionally I would go to Chicago Bears football games. Sometimes we would go, more often than not, would go to the games in December. And one of the games we went to, they were playing against the Atlanta Falcons, and it was probably about four degrees, and we were bundled up like crazy, and to make matters worse, we were up in the cheap seats where the wind just blows like crazy. But while I was sitting up there in the cheap seats, I noticed something that was amazing. I actually could see something that the players on the field couldn't even see. I saw again and again and again missed opportunities. You see, from up on high, I could see where the running backs should have run. I see the receivers and how open they are and how the quarterback should have thrown to them. You see, from up high, I could see all the missed opportunities and what should have taken place. I guess that's why a lot of the coaches and the coordinators are up high as well. And we think about making a connection between us and God. We are here, and yet God is working out his plan overall as he reigns. And sometimes, I would say often, we can't see the right moves. We can't see the gaps where to hit. Or we can't see the open receivers where to throw to. But God is sovereign. He reigns over all. And since we're here on this earth and we can't see all that's in play, our job is to trust Him. And not to lean on what we can see and not to lean on our own understanding. There's a famous passage in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that you probably have on your wall or you may have it memorized. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. To trust in the Lord means to rely on Him completely. It's where you acknowledge that you don't have the competency where you don't have all the wisdom and where you don't have all the knowledge to make good and wise decisions without his input. But when you lean on your own understanding, it's like you're doing this. You're leaning on your own 
resources, your own knowledge, and your own competency. And when you lean on your own understanding, it's almost like you're living on ground level, like the football players on the field. And that's all you're doing, and that's where you want to contain your life is just ground level for no other input. And when you live that way, you're leaning on your own understanding. And one of the images that I've been taught about leaning on your own understanding is like leaning on a broken crutch. I'm sure some of you have been on crutches before. I don't know if it was ever broken, but that would not be good, would it? To be leaning on a broken crutch because you're soon going to bust and fall over. When we lean on our own understanding, our own competencies, our own resources, our own knowledge, and we leave God out of the picture, disaster is sure to follow. And that's why the weight of all of our faith must not be on a broken crutch, but on God alone. And so I ask you, where are you at right now? Some of the decisions you got coming up, some of the decisions you're making right now, some of the things you're trying to navigate and figure out, are you leaning on your own understanding? Are you leaning on what you can see on ground level? Are you leaning on a broken crutch? Or is your full weight of faith on God and God alone? And you may think it's no big deal, but it is a big deal. And the story we're going to look at today is of a people, a people of God, a great godly leader leaning on a broken crutch, leaning on their own understanding instead of trusting the Lord. And the results are disastrous. This morning we're back in Joshua and we're looking at Joshua 9. And if you've been following along with us in Joshua, the nation of Israel is fresh off of victories at Jericho and Ai. And we ended last week with chapter 8 where the Israelites were rededicating themselves to the law of God. Remember your rock? hope some of you guys still have your rock <laughs> that has Joshua written on it. Because it reminds us that Joshua, he rewrote the law on the stones as their recommitment to the word of God. But their enemies can see that the Israelites are starting to dominate. And so the enemies gather together and they try to get a plan. Let's pick it up in Joshua 9, starting in verse 1. Now it came about when all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the hill country and in the lowland and all the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard of it, that they gathered themselves together with one accord to fight with Joshua and with Israel. Imagine these kings getting together. They're trying to bring a united front against the Israelites. But there is one group in the land who is a holdout. There is one group that knows that their doom is sure. And instead of fighting, they come up with a tricky plan. And their name is the Gibeonites. You see, the Gibeonites must know something about Israel. Because the Gibeonites know that Israel is to destroy all the nations in the land of the promise. Why? Because the nations can corrupt them with their idolatry. However, did you know this? Israel could make somewhat of a peace or a treaty with nations outside the land because they're far away and they can't corrupt them. 
And so the Gibeonites come up with this plan, and they say, okay, okay, let's figure out how we can trick Israel into thinking that we are from outside of the land. So they come up with this plan, and they put on an Oscar-worthy performance. They put on worn-out sacks on their donkeys and wine skins torn and mended and worn-out sandals and worn-out clothes and their bread was all dry and crumbly. They made it look like they came from a great distance. Let's see if Israel is going to buy it. Look at verse 6. They went to Joshua, to the camp at Gilgal, and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you are living within our land. How then shall we make a covenant with you? They made it look like they came from afar, but there was something within the leadership of Israel that wonders if these raggedy-looking people actually came from within their borders. It's like the leaders in Joshua have this heart check that something is not quite right. You ever have that? Just this internal heart check that maybe something's not right. Maybe you shouldn't go a certain direction. Well, Joshua and the leaders ignore that heart check because the Gibeonites lay it on thick. Look at verse 9 and 10. They said to him, Your servants have come from a very far country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard the report of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon king of Heshbon and to Og king of Bashan who was at Ashtaroth. Did you notice they leave out the victories of of Jericho and Ai? They left those out because only people within the land would know that and they try to act like they're not from there. So they traveled from far away. And look at verse 11. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions in your hand for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Now then, make a covenant with us. This our bread was warm when we took it for our provisions out of our houses on the day that we left to come to you. But now behold, it is dry and has become crumbled. These wineskins which we filled were new, and behold, they are torn. And these are clothes, and our sandals are worn out because of the very long journey. And the Oscar goes to the Gibeonites. This is often how Satan attacks us. Rather than this full frontal attack, he, he organizes a sneak attack. And we are called to be on our guard. Dale Ralph Davis says, We need only the power, we need not only the power of God to overwhelm our obvious enemies, but also the wisdom of God to detect our subtle enemies. And these sneak attacks tend to strike when things are going great. Things were going great for Israel at this point. And these sneak attacks can happen to individuals and can happen to churches when things are going great. And I just want to give a big praise to what God has been doing in His power over the last few months in this church. I mentioned last week 
The Sunday school class across the hall sent over 100 students to FCA camp. They raised that much money for that. That's a big deal. There is very awesome things going on in the women's ministry, the men's ministry, wings, missions. I, I guarantee you, I could ask any ministry leader in our church and they could come up here and give you a testimony of the power of God that's been happening over the last few months. My brothers and sisters, when I moved here and was thinking about it a year ago, I knew that I was coming here, I never would imagine one year later over the last few months that we have baptized 29 people. Never, never would have seen that, right? Never would have seen that. Never imagined. That is the power of God. But at this point, we need the wisdom of God to detect subtle enemies and sneak attacks from getting a foothold within the body of Christ. Because when things are going really good, it's the subtle things that can take you out. Because one of the problems that can happen when things are going great is you can start to gain confidence in yourself. And it's at that point that you can think that your resources, your knowledge, your competencies can figure everything out. And it was at that point right there that the Israelites faltered because they had an attitude that said, I got this. I got this. I can handle it. Now to the main point of the passage in verse 14. I don't even want to read this. It's, it's very disastrous words. So the men of Israel took some of the provisions and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. Joshua made peace with them, made a covenant with them to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. I mean, you should underline those, those words in your Bible as a warning, disastrous words. They did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. They investigated. They asked the right questions. They did their due diligence, but they did not inquire of the Lord. They saw the provisions. They, they saw the crumbly, moldy bread and made their decision with their eyes, with their competence, and with their knowledge. They did not rely on the Lord, but they were leaning on the broken crutch of their knowledge, and they made a decision based upon moldy bread. Any of you ever make any moldy bread decisions? Oh, I do. It's stuff that I can see with my eyes, and I think, well, that's clearly what I should do. That's clearly I, that's the decision I should make. For 20 years, I worked with college students in Los Angeles and in Chicago. And when I was in Chicago, we were right there by Northwestern University. About half of our church was Northwestern students. And Northwestern students are smart. I, I don't even know what they're talking about half the time. They're so smart. But what I often observe is that some of the smartest people on the planet can make some of the dumbest decisions. It's amazing. Why? Because they're relying on their competence. They're relying on their intellect. They're relying on their knowledge of what they can pull off. And as I observed this, I thought, you know what? 
That's just not reserved for the younger generation because I've also seen people in midlife, like myself, make dumb decisions as well. Because if we're making decisions as young people and not inquiring of the Lord, guess what? We're going to hit our 40s and 50s and do the same thing. And guess what? Yeah, even you can make poor decisions. Anybody right now, I don't need to see a show of hands. Anybody right now have any idea what I'm talking about? Why in the world would we lean on our own understanding when God is totally available to give you his wisdom and his input? Why would we do that? And let's get really specific. Joshua, what was he supposed to do? He was supposed to use the priest, Eliezer, to inquire of the Lord in conquering the land. We're not going to look at it, but in Numbers, God said, okay, go to Eliezer the priest, and he'll use uh, this inquiring of the Lord, and I will tell you when to go out and when to come in. I'll tell you when to go out and when to come in. When we're facing a nation, God's going to tell them when to go out and come in. That was at Joshua's disposal. God could speak directly to him through the priest when to go out and come in. But on this instant, he didn't do that at all. And in a sense, for us, I can say specifically, we can seek wisdom from the Lord from his word, from people within the body of Christ can give us God's wisdom and input, and through prayer. And yet, what's the flip side of that? The Bible says in the book of James, you do not have because you do not ask. And when we do not ask the Lord, we're operating at a mentality that says, I got this. I've got the resources. I got the knowledge. I have the competence. I can see with my eyes. I can live on ground level, and that's enough. I got this. But you don't got it. And when you live that way, I guarantee you, your crutch is broken, and it's about to shatter, and there will be consequences. And here are the consequences for the Israelites, because guess what? They eventually found out that the Gibeonites were tricking them, and they found out their true identity. What should they do now? What should they do now? Well, should they nullify their promise before the Lord and turn and kill the enemy? Well, let's look. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. The sons of Israel did not strike them <laughs> because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. And the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders. But all the leaders said to the whole congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. This we will do to them, even let them live, so that the wrath will not be upon us for the oath which we have swore to them. Two wrongs do not make a right. If they broke the covenant that they swore before the Lord and making this covenant with his people, then God's wrath will be on the Israelites. Now, the congregation of the people, they were upset with their leaders, rightly so, but the leaders were now not to touch the Gibeonites. And sometimes, sometimes, you and I, we had to live with the consequences of our decisions. 
Sin can be forgiven, but consequences often linger. In the survey of Americans, 47% of Americans said they are living with the consequences of bad decisions. Anyone here relate? Living with the consequences of bad decisions. It happens all the time. It could be small things, you know, make a bad financial decision. You're like, oh, I should not have leased that car. Lease is a dumb deal. Why did I do that? You got to fulfill your obligations. Maybe businesses that you got to fulfill your obligations in the financial realm. You got to fulfill your obligations in the relational realm. Maybe there's other decisions you've made. You've committed to a task and you want to bail out. You have to fulfill your responsibilities. These, these decisions that you've made. My wife and I have a really good friend. But she made the mistake of leaning on her own understanding. You see, what she did back in the day is that she married an unbeliever. <laughs> now, her parents loved the Lord, and they said, don't do it. Her sisters said, don't do it. Her friends told her, don't do it. And she knew that she shouldn't do it, and yet she did it. She leaned on her own understanding, and now she must live with the reality of her decision and not break her vows. And it's been tough, especially as they have had several kids while one parent follows Jesus and the other is an atheist. And yet she consistently loves and serves her husband. But get this, this is an amazing scenario. But she also counsels other young women not to do what she did. She spoke to our youth group. She spoke to the girls and said, this is a decision I made, and it was unwise. Don't do what I did. So it's interesting that God is using her mistake. God is using her failure when she was leaning on her broken crutch. And get this, God is using that failure for his glory. Yeah, he's using her to impact others through the decision that she's made. And it's a big eye-opening thing that no matter what you've done, God can still utilize your failure for his glory. Maybe you've never thought of it that way. Maybe you think the decision you made is a failure you've made, it was foolish, and you just want to stay kind of hidden and concealed. And yet maybe, just maybe, God wants to do something and utilize that failure for his glory. And that's what he's doing here. Look at verse 22. Then Joshua called for them and spoke to them, that's the Gibeonites, saying, Why have you deceived us? Saying, we are, from a, from, we are far from you when you are living within our land. Now, therefore, you are cursed, and you shall never cease being slaves, both hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. Get this, the Gibeonites could have brought idolatry and immorality into Israel to threaten the worship, but God flips it and he uses the Gibeonites to enhance worship. Because the Gibeonites would now be the servants who would be responsible for serving in the house of the Lord. They would enable worship to flourish before the altar of the Lord by taking care of the sacrificial fires and water for rituals. Do you understand what's happening here? God took a situation that looked like it would detract worship from him, and he used it to enhance worship of him. 
Isn't that amazing? He took their failure, flipped it around, and now worship was going to him. And I think that what God has done in the Old Testament and throughout the Bible, even today, he can use your failures and your past mistakes and unwise decisions for his glory. I think that's what Jesus does. We think about Jesus Christ coming and living this perfect life on this earth, dying on the cross for our sins, buried, raised again, turned away the wrath of God. We're adopted in his family all by faith. But now as we follow him, sometimes we make unwise decisions, and yet Jesus is still involved and God's sovereignty comes into play in ways that I cannot explain. And he can still utilize your mistakes, your bad decisions that can bring him glory. Because I've heard it put like this. Jesus chooses and uses failures. Jesus chooses and uses failures. The Apostle Peter denied the Lord. I mean, come on. Deny the Lord. And Jesus restored him to be a mighty man of God. The same can be said of Moses and Abraham and Sarah and Samson and King David and on and on and on and on again down to you. Jesus chooses and uses failures. God could still use you. No matter what situation or circumstance you may find yourself in, it may be of your choosing and it may look like some disastrous consequences, but let me assure you that God has not left you. He has not forsaken you and he still has a plan. Maybe you don't see it all because you're on ground level, but he has a plan to even work through your failures and mistakes and sins. But as you move forward, you want to move forward as one who trusts Him with all your heart and not leaning on your own understanding because it may be your mistakes and your failures that brought you to this point in your life, but you don't want to continue in those. You want to come to a point of trust and leaning on Him and not your broken crutch, which brings us back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. As you move forward, you want to move forward with a heart of trust, not leaning on what you just see on the ground level, not leaning on the broken crutch of resources, knowledge, and competence, not having an attitude that says, I got this, but proceeding with a life of trust, a life of dependence upon Him and Him alone. And I believe it can happen this morning with a simple asking, a simple seeking, and a simple knocking as you have access to God the Father. He wants us to ask. He wants us to seek Him. He wants us to knock. He wants us to seek Him through His Word. He wants us to seek Him as we have fellowship with one another, and He wants us to seek Him through prayer. And can you believe that in the things you've been dealing with, maybe one of the things that you've been leaving out is inquiring of the Lord. It seems like the most basic, but often the, most la the last thing we do. I read this story yesterday of this little boy. He'd go visit his grandmother, and she lived on a homestead back in the day, and, and he had a job, and the job was to collect firewood for the stove and for the fireplace. 
And so he would go out, and the kind of uh, wood that he found that really burned was the, the, when the pine trees would be cut down, they would leave a stump. And he would go out there, and he would try to pull those stumps out. He would get a crowbar, and he would try to yank them up and use his strength and his power. And one day he had this huge one that he was working on that was really going to burn well. And he was been working on it for hours, crowbarring it, trying to push it, trying to yank it, doing everything he could to dislodge this stump. Well, his father comes home from the office and says, wow, you've been working really hard there, but it looks like the, you have a problem. And the son's like, yeah, I have a problem. But it looks like the problem is that you're not using all your strength. And that little boy started to freak out. What do you mean I'm not using all my strength? I've been working on this thing for hours. I've been using the crowbar. I can't get it up. What do you mean I'm not using all my strength? And his father said, you have yet to ask me to help you. I'm here. I'm available. I'm going to help you. And so many times we work on our own strength and our own understanding. And our father says, you have access to me. Ask, seek, and knock. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way guided by God's Word.